Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on Twilight Tonic, I would like to talk about a subject that has fascinated me for years, the subject of voodoo and hoodoo, and I want to welcome some very special guests from Indianapolis, Indiana, from Three Crows Conjure, Amanda and her husband, TJ. How are you guys tonight? Hey, we're good, Didi. How are you? I'm wonderful, and I'm so excited to have you guys on the show tonight. In my opinion, I believe hoodoo and voodoo are the, some of the most mis, misunderstood um, belief systems. And I would like to ask you guys to describe or tell my audience what voodoo and hoodoo is about. Well, honestly, it all kind of boils down that it all started in Africa and during the um, slave trade. Mm-hmm. Okay. The East Atlantic slave trade. Um, hoodoo is a folk magic that was brought over. You have to understand that with the slave trade, that they didn't get to have a whole lot. They weren't like literally. They they basically had nothing yeah. <laughs> when they came, and they were lucky if they made it over. Yes. To be honest. Um, it was pretty strenuous. I don't think a lot of people understand the, the strenuous and just the circumstances that they were put under. Mm-hmm. They didn't know the language. They didn't know anything. So they took what they could. And then they came into more horrific stories um, and situations where you didn't know if your family was done stay together. Most of the time they didn't. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't. If they were lucky, they stayed. Right. Then, when they got to the plantation, they were divided or they were grouped together. And then you had to <clears throat> deal. So in this, it was a way that Hoodoo came to help them to kind of overcome oppression. Okay. And to seek out justice. Mm. And keep them safe. Right. Okay. Um, and then... You have to understand that hoodooism is a basic, it's a magic, okay? It's a a magical system that uses herbs, it uses um, sympathetic magic, it it uses, candles didn't come until later, but the roots of it was to basically use what they could, what they had, which was not much, (laughs) and it was easy and simple. Okay. Okay. And the Bible was part of it and it wasn't incorporated until they got, you know, incorporated into the plantation because whatever the slaves, you know, it's, it's, it was intermixed, you know, and it adapted and hoodoo adapted from, I guess the basics of it, if you wanted to do it is, you know, African um, indigenous cultures, um, because you also have to remember they did have indigenous slaves. A lot of people forget that part. And then they, and also you had the tribes 
the nations around. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you have the European witchcraft that is influenced. Okay. okay. And it's just like, it's, it's like a melting pot. It's a folk magic that's kind of a little bit of for survival. Oh, okay. That would and make a just, lot of sense. It does. Um, and then with voodoo, it depends on what country. <laughs> because you have to remember, <clears throat> the ATRs are a little bit, they're like cut, like cousins branched off. Okay. Where... You know, you could say you see similarities in all the ATRs, okay? But voodoo—I mean, there's Jamaican voodoo. There's 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 different branches depending on Haitian, Dominican, you know, and it all evolved. And if you think it was rough in the Americas, it was even rougher in in Hispaniola, okay? On the sugar cane, they didn't care if they died. They didn't. The slaves had no. It was literally survival and the birth of Haitian voodoo. And that's what I can speak on more on is Haitian voodoo is it came out of a revolt. Literally the story um, of the independence Mm -hmm. Um, voodoo rised out of that. Okay. And that's, it is they synchronized it with Catholicism because again they saw their African deities and you have to remember these tribes came um all over Africa all over okay so uh, along the I'm trying to think the western border of coastline and you have to understand that you know with this and it's a passion of mine I mean I really do love studying the culture and the passion of, of voodoo. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I can talk more about it, but basically it was on similar circumstances of allowing, it was freedom for them. It was to incorporate their religion. It kind of melded in with the Tainos and the Arawaks. And then, am I missing anything? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like the, there's, there's different influences. Um, but the simple is, and there is more religious, there is reglamon and in, in voodoo, okay? Mm-hmm. Where you won't find it. Where voodoo, it, yeah, there's some basics, but that's, that's just magic, okay? I know that I found it really interesting because I've been to New Orleans quite a lot, many times. Um, I was always interested when I entered like a voodoo temple, how many saints are in there? Mm-hmm. I just found, I find that really fascinating. So they did bring Catholicism with their own religion and I oh. find it really beautiful. Actually. It is very beautiful. The big thing about that, what Amanda was sharing with you too, is just that, you know, what they would do is is they would syncretize their actual deities that they worship from over in Africa and the stuff that was different religions all across those different coastal countries. Like you had Benin, you had as far as down to Congo, you had in there all those countries in between, you know, with the transatlantic slave trade. The part was, is that they would see things in the iconography of the, Catholicism of the saint that they would actually incorporate that and say, okay, well, this deity that we actually worship is a snake god. And so when they would see someone like Saint, oh, what is his name? Patrick. Saint Patrick over there with Mm -hmm. the snake driving them out of Ireland, they would secretize that. That's kind of awesome. Because you have to remember that um, in Haiti, especially the churches, they're more outside. Like the slaves could not go into the church, but the the churches were kind of like they were open. Mm -hmm. Okay, So they could see the statues. They could see 
and that's how they syncretized and they were able to keep their own traditions as alive as they could. Gotcha. Where in other parts or different countries, they were more punished. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. One of the questions I've always curious about, what is the most interesting thing to ask people ask you about what you study? Or what do you think they assume? What's their assumption about voodoo? That, that it's evil, that it's demonic or Satanism, mm-hmm. um, that sacrificing or zombies. I mean, these are kind of like the Hollywood versions that Hollywood has really kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the serpent and the rainbow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times people think of those type of things and, you know, they sensationalize and make it into something that it absolutely is not. You know, one of the one things that we always hear that people ask us about is, you know, with the the American Horror Story, you know, they talk about Papa Legba. Well, I can tell you that's not who Papa Legba is. He doesn't look anything like that. He Mm -hmm. actually. He's totally different. And he doesn't eat babies or snort cocaine. So. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you know, Legba is of the of the crossroads. Legba is um he's the communicator. He kind of opens up the gates. Mm-hmm. And he and if you're he's the one you first go to to open to open. So and that's you know, anybody that does basic studying, they know that. So, um, yeah, so it's, that's the hardest part. And, you know, with sacrificing, yes, they do still do sacrificing, but it's not like they go and they, they, it's not like they just randomly kill. You have to understand they don't have that. Let's face it. Haiti is a third world country that is at the bottom of the barrel that people literally can't afford to go around and sacrificing chicken just to sacrifice a chicken or right. sacrifice a goat. It's a communal thing. It is. It's something that. Voodoo is a very, it's about community. It's about spirit. It's about, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of it is just very misunderstood and very whitewashed in many ways. Um, So, yeah, it makes me want to cry talking about it because it just people just don't understand. And I will tell you, being uh, going to Haiti was one of I loved it. And a lot of people look at me and they're like, you loved it. I'm like, it was home. It just Mm -hmm. felt familiar if that makes sense absolutely i think we're drawn to places from in my opinion past lives yeah and i always found i was a dancer for like 30 years of my life professionally and one of the dances that i found so fascinating was haitian dance and african dance Mm -hmm. and it was it was very spiritual and people don't realize it you know they don't understand that that movement, that bond with that movement in those rhythms. They're very ancient and they run deep. Yes, they do. They do. And, you know, the dance and the songs and prayers and, you know, there's, there's so much to it and things that I will probably never get to learn. Um, just because it takes time, you know, But it's definitely a marathon. It is not a race. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Most knowledge, like I always tell people, most things you study is a lifetime of study. Yes. There's so much out there and there's so much written stuff that we can't get our hands on. And some things are passed down from teacher to teacher to teacher and maybe never written. And, you know, voodoo is like that. Voodoo is, it is an oral tradition. Everything is taught by by mouth, by oral. Um, you know, the books that you get, you can pick through here and there, but 
I mean, nothing beats having a teacher and knowing and having the roots into that culture. Right. Out of curiosity, with all of the things that you have studied through this, what is your most favorite deity? I don't, do you guys call them deities or? They're called Lawas. They're, they're like for, they're forces, the primal forces. Um, they're, they're not, they're not, to them, they're not gods. Okay. Because you have to remember they are um, monotheistic. I can't talk. Monotheistic. <laughs> Religion. Right. Okay. They see the one creator, but they see, think of them similar to angels. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, they're kind of like the workers between and, you know, something that um, I was taught by my godfather um, was, you know, they kind of see them as like, they're kind of like, there's no, like one law can do everything, but it doesn't mean that you can't work with others because some, it, some of the law they come to you they come to you for a reason you know mm-hmm. and it it just kind of works that that pattern but my favorite honestly legba legba i've always i've had that um it was a relationship that has been built out of respect and for me working with spirits and being a medium period it's building a relationship you know, it just like you would with a goddess or a god or an angel, you build a relationship and it's a give and take. Right. And that's so interesting that you said that because my brother, that's his favorite as well. Yeah. If you don't have Legba on your side, you don't have nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's got an altar and everything. I find it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And what how you described it was like, gave me chills because that's how he describes it. It's exactly how it is, and you know, talking about it, I don't I I forget how emotional I can get when I'm talking about it because I do love it, I do respect it, um, and you know, for the longest time at the beginning of my my journey as a as a priestess, as a mambo, um, I didn't feel worthy enough for it, mm-hmm. and I think. You know, any priesthood or priestesshood, it's a struggle because you're humbled. But at the same time, if you weren't meant for it, they wouldn't have come. Right. Wow. When people walk into your store, because you guys have a store in Indianapolis, with all of the oils and the Florida water and stuff like that. Can you explain to my audience what those are used for? Well, the Florida water. So there's so many things. Um, They're tools. Um, You have to think that when you're doing a prayer, when you're, when you're working with the spirits and you're working, um, they're tools that you use to help to connect or elevate or to use. Um, during that time of what you're doing. So there's different condition oils. There's different waters. Um, you know, there's Kananga water that's really for peace and for um, the dead. There's Florida water, which is, Florida water is a beautiful cologne that's been around. A lot of people know of um, Landon Murray's um, version of it. We also make our own. So we have both. Um and it's for raising vibrations and cleansing. Okay. Um, we also have like an indigo water, which is good for destroying like negativity, um, any spells, like it kind of neutralizes everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and we can make that. Let's see. I'm just trying to think. Of course, there's more water. We, we, we are very selective on the baneful products that we do carry. It is necessary. But again, it's all about being justified in what you're doing. Right. And you know, I always tell anybody 
whether they're doing a love spell or anything to make sure that it's justified when they're doing it. So we usually do like a root work consultation or we sit down and do a reading and look into it. Okay. That's awesome. Um, root work. I hear that word a lot. Mm -hmm. What exactly is root work? Well, you're working with the roots, you're working with the herbs, you're working with the bones, the spirits um, of whatever, of what you're gathering mm. to bring in and attract what you're wanting. Okay. So whether you're taking a seven day candle, like our seven day candles are basically a spell, a spell in a jar. It's already ready. It's got the oil. We pour it from, literally, we pour, we, as we're mixing the wax and adding the colors and we're doing everything, everything is with intention. Okay. And every candle is going to be a little bit different than others. And I usually go around when an order comes in and if we already have it made, I'll kind of fill out and see if anyone feels right for the client or I'll go make another one. It's for that person. And I know everything that I'm making or we make is for that person, um, for the right person for that. When you talk about root working, the biggest thing that we're doing is just we're waking up the spirit of the root that we're working with. There you go. Yeah. And what we're doing is, is, is we're placing prayers. our prayers, our intention, talking to that spirit and asking it to help provide whatever the client is trying to accomplish. have accomplished. Yeah. So a lot of times what we're doing is just we're going into that sacred space where we're working with that root and spending time with the spirit mm -hmm. to get accomplished what it is that that client wants. Okay. Wow. So you actually have a consultation with them before you make this or a meeting yep. with them. Yes, for the most part. Some people, know, and they know what they want, and they'll go and get it. We have, uh, basically, for our shop, Amanda and I have this agreement that anyone who has a baneful working that they're wanting to do, they have to come from a space of that this is something that's justified. You know, we don't do any type of breakup type work, you know, just up a couple so that way they can be with somebody else. somebody else or if there is a mistress wanting to be with that person you know and they're not justified and it's a lesson for them to go through we sit down we actually talk with the spirits of what's going on to see even help because i will tell you we've many times had people who want to kill somebody and that we just want that's horrible yeah, yeah. it is horrible and yeah. it's one of those things of you have to be, when you're, uh, the best way I got to say it is, is when you're a steward of being in this, you have to come from a place of, uh, what would you say? Basically being neutral. Yeah, you have to be discerning when you're doing, sorry, our dog's um, drinking some water, but um, you have to be neutral. You have to be discerning about what you're doing because it's not, we don't always see the whole picture. Right. No. And we don't always see the lessons that are involved in that, in that particular time frame or lesson. Yeah. Everything's a challenge. I look at things and I'm like, okay, what challenge? What is being presented to you to either rise above, to learn, or to say, you know, this is, this, I need to change the, <laughs> the path. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because we always have that choice so yeah yeah and i think it goes back to the hollywood thing i think when people come to you i think they think of what you do as mm -hmm. well well it's okay they'll just go ahead and do this spell for me because it's voodoo yes or voodoo. you know they don't bother to really look at the big picture of Anything magic, anything that puts this out in the universe, how important it is, there has to be that balance. Yes. And it's not really fair of them, I think, to ask you to do something like that. Now, I will say this. In the Haitian mind frame, you have to understand 
they do the Bible verse of an eye for an eye. Right. So them, they will go and they see it, you know, for them. They just, they go and do. So it's two mindsets. And I think that's what people need to understand. You know, this is where you have to understand what is more coming from one aspect. And then they are two separate entities. Okay. Gotcha. What is the most common question when people come in and ask you as soon as they enter the door? Usually the first thing we hear when they come in is like, oh, it smells really good in here. And it's like, <laughs> um, a lot of it, you know, in this market, they're so new. Mm-hmm. So they're just learn, and they're wanting to, what would you say with the root work T? Because we get so many questions. We have a very balance as far as how our shop is ran. So the thing that we have that is the most common is people want to get the rubber back. That's number. Yeah, that is. Number two is, can I get justice done for what I'm having happen to me? And the third, I would say, is cleansing people not knowing you know, what they're dealing with. So this is something where it's very Christian based and they don't know much of anything about the actual spirit world as far as what they're dealing with. And we go and help these people a lot of times at their home with figuring out what they have going on because sometimes they think that Oh, I don't understand this, so I'm rid of it. Right. And we help them with understanding what they're dealing with. Now, when you went to Haiti, did both mm-hmm. of you go to Haiti together? No, it was just me. Okay. How long did you stay there, if you don't mind me asking? It was two weeks, about. Wow. Did you go there to study? Um, no, I went to, well... There was studying, and then there was the actual initiation. Oh, okay. About that. <laughs> wow, that that's very fascinating. So, what did that all? If you don't mind me asking for the show, what what did that involve? Well, I mean, I flew in. <laughs> we were greeted by by family, and then that was about. You know, we had. it was learning it was it was learning there was a lot of learning um and then we we had about a week of that well i mean the whole process was learning in different stages but the first week was just mainly learning and then yeah then the i think that would have been so fascinating it it's fascinating and it's hard it's challenging Mm -hmm. i mean think of initiation it's a it's a death and a rebirth so as one part of you you know and it's not for everybody it's not for everybody you know you have to have a consultation done by a actual priest or priestess mm -hmm. patient voodoo in order to find out if they'll even accept you or not yeah wow so you had to sit down with somebody and they had to let you know Mm-hmm. That yep. would have been very difficult, especially if that was your passion. It, it, it was. I mean, I gave it to my spirits and then my spirits led me down, you know, the path. And it was just, it was synchronicity after synchronicity and it's being open to it. Mm-hmm. And some just, you're like, okay, okay. Because I never looked for it. Like I, that's the thing. I never looked for the voodoo the voodoo found me Mm. okay and it's like that's how hoodoo had always been around i didn't know it because my family's from the south and i was born in north carolina i'm the only one in my family my immediate family that was born out of indiana Mm. Um, but my family is you know from alabama in the south and so (laughs) it was always ingrained and then 
it was just like we had little superstitions that we did and I didn't understand it. And then they wouldn't tell me. They just said, just do it. You'll find out later. Uh-huh. Sure enough, find out later. So, you know, but it was under teaching and under, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Oh, we did this. This is why we did it. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, okay. So it's always been around, uh-huh. but it was just not talked about. It was, you know. Sure. Which is, you know, it's really interesting because I remember way back, my father had someone that they used to call a hell witch mm-hmm. in the south of Arkansas, of all places. And she was no, a known medium. And they used to bring her like little compacts and stuff. But they had family traditions because they're all from the south, Texas, Louisiana area. Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. Arkansas, all through there. And they had their little things, too, which I always found kind of fascinating. So it's really interesting that you said voodoo found you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't look for it, but I I will say this. I mean, I've always found, um, you know, when a lot of people think of voodoo, they think of New Orleans. And there's Mm -hmm. Louis, you know, there's New Orleans voodoo. And that's its own different, you know mix and and beautiful pot of gumbo you know that's best way to put it and then have Haitian and then you have you know just there's different different sectors and and branches yeah from what I've read New Orleans voodoo is a little different like you said (laughs) and I think that's why in people associate of course in America voodoo with New Orleans and Haiti mm-hmm. right away, even though it branches out more than that. Absolutely. I mean, even Haitian voodoo is so different than African voodoo. Like if you go in and you go to study and, and look in Benin and the culture and, you know, how it shifted and changed because of the slave trade and the influences that they had, you know, coming to Hispaniola. Mm-hmm. Now, is it, is voodoo also practiced in the Spanish world? Oh yeah, and that's a go in places like that. Yeah, um, you know the twenty one divisions. A really good speaker on it would be um, I call him Ugon um, Hector or um, Hector Salva. He has a book on the twenty one divisions, and he also just came out with um, Espiritismo which is about Puerto Rican. Um, voodoo. No. Yeah, they call it Puerto Rican oh, voodoo well, too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so um, they do. And, you know, with the Dominican Republic being next door to Haiti, mm-hmm. um, they're two different practices, you know, where the Catholic, you know, and the... <sighs> He would be more of an expert to talk about the 21 divisions than me. Here's um, your history lesson on it. So with the basically Hispaniola part, you know, they actually, the Haitian was more of the French part, yeah. where the Dominican Republic, they had a lot of the, the Spanish. Spanish influence in there. Mm-hmm. So they, it, at one point, they all intermingled. There was wars fault. There's a lot of basically muck that's yes. in between. But to break it down simply, the Haitian side was more of the French Creole, where you had the Dominican, what's more of the Spanish influence. So you have a lot more of the saints in the actual 21 division, or the, what they call the Dominican voodoo, mm-hmm. in comparison to the Haitian voodoo, which is more of a, they, they have the saints as well to iconographize but it, that's not what they see the mass they actually see them more as a force mm. of that so yeah so is santa maria is that does that have voodoo roots right. santa maria mm-hmm. uh, well no not really i mean santa maria that's one that's actually is considered one of the saints in the actual, um, how can I describe it? It's in both. Uh, it, it gets really mixed and gets very, she's viewed in the Haitian voodoo, but also she's viewed in the Dominican Republic voodoo mm-hmm. as well. 
Okay. That's what I was curious about. It seems to be a lot of, um, I find it so fascinating, the mix of Catholicism with the ancient religions mm -hmm. in all of these countries. Like the mm -hmm. churches, I remember um, my husband went over to Trinidad and went into a Catholic church. And what he described was really interesting to me, how they painted the saints and stuff like that, which is really beautiful and unique. It's beautiful. And, you know, in many ways, it's a way of understanding the history along with the culture. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And knowing that, you know, you may see, and that's the thing is, I could see the saint or I could see, you know, I could see St. You know, Patrick for Dumbala Widow, where, you know, I could see a, a white snake or a green snake and see the same thing. You know, it just depends on 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 your perspective or what how they want to present to you um and because not all um not everybody that studies the voodoo they they don't always use the catholic imagery and then it gets further it's you i hate to say it this way but it's almost like um dialects even mm -hmm. in language you know someone that in one house views this saint as this Lawa may be another house down the road that actually views that same Lawa as a different saint. Mm. Well, like you said, that so it sounds like a lifetime of study to me. <laughs> yep. It is. It is. I mean, this is a path. This is a, it, this is never ending. It's, it's no different than any other spiritual path or religious path. If you really want to dive into it. Right. Now, I know each religion has their important holidays or their important time periods. What is voodoo's? What's one of your most important celebrations or what you would consider the most important or your favorite? It just depends. I mean, um, if you're actually talking about in Haiti, it's... Um, Epiphany is one, Three Kings Day. That's a big one. Um, and the whole carnival season. And then... Um, well, Hallow's Eve. Well, no. Um, well, yes. All, All Saints Day, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Independence... Independence. Yeah, the Independence Day for Haiti um, is the biggest. Wow. Well, it's the celebration in August. What is it called? I'm trying to remember the actual Creole um, pronunciation of it, but it's where they, the revolution started um, and where they say that um, the Lawa, Izile Danto, she actually came in physical. She didn't mount anybody. She came in physical form to start the revolution, mm -hmm. to be away from the French. Um. I mean, it's a pretty powerful, very, it's, it's a proud moment in the Haitian history. Mm -hmm. And then it brought up into the Haitian um, Independence Day, which is in January. You have to remember that you're the first actual revolution from slaves that actually rose up and won mm -hmm. in their actual independence yeah. from France. Wow, that is really fascinating. I love the whole cultural part of this. Mm -hmm. It actually is making me smile. The more you guys talk, the more fascinated I'm becoming. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just don't realize, I mean, my brother talks about it a lot, but when you talk to even more people about it, mm -hmm. there's just so much to it. You know, like I always thought my belief system was beautiful and it gives me chills and goosebumps. And talking to him and you guys, I get the same feeling from you guys that I get from my own. Yes. 
And I really love that. And I really love the fact that education stops fear and ignorance. It does. And I'm so glad that I have you guys on here because, you know, when I tell people, told some people, you know, I'm going to have somebody on, it's going to be fascinating. It's about voodoo and hoodoo. They instantly straight went to Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. what do you believe everything that you see on TV about your religion? Yes. And of course, in some religions, it's always looks like the best possible everything. Yes. And everything else that's not that looks awful. Yeah. Or misunderstood or brought down because people don't want to look into what it really is about cultural wise, history wise. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can tell people to your blue in the face. Old religions predate Christianity. They do. And nobody wants to hear that ever. <laughs> You know, the thing about hoodoo that, you know, let's face it, it was culminated here in the United States because of the need for what was taking place at the time during the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. A lot of it had to do with survival. Yeah. So, you know, that's more classified as a folk magic versus a religion. Mm -hmm. And about it is, is, you know, this was out of necessity. A lot of people, you know, today, what hoodoo is, is not what it was back when it first started. You know, when you had to take your cotton underwear that was provided to you because that's all you had that was given to you, you know, you tore a piece of that off and you used your herbalism that you knew from your old country so you look to the roots of what you needed in order to basically put a protection up for yourself or to basically make yourself hidden from the slave owners so you wouldn't get hurt. Right. I out of like I was wondering and I due to the fact that they weren't Christian, obviously when they arrived, they had their own beliefs. Would the slave owners kill them? Like we burned witches at one point, the midwives yeah. and stuff. Would they kill them for that? Absolutely. And that was the whole point of why they actually had the spiritual houses. You know, you hear about Negro spirituals. That's what they're referring to is the houses where they actually went in there. And they said, look, we were, we were worshiping your God. We were doing these okay. things. You know, look at us. We've got your Bible. We're doing these things, you know. But they were actually, a lot of the old spiritual songs were used of, okay, you know, go tell it on the mountain is all about we're getting ready to go. Yeah. This is when we're leaving at this time. Or to wrestle with Jacob. So when they were out in the fields and they were singing, it wasn't just them being joyful at what they were doing, but it was giving them faith and it was also communicating in a secret code, in a secret way that was needed. That is awesome. <laughs> you know, it makes me really sad. I, hate, I know there's going to be people that are going to be upset that I say this, but I'm really upset to see the movie The Song of the South from Disney is being basically shunned these days because it's important for people to know where they came from and what happened and the things about that. Briar Rabbit and Briar Fox and Briar Bear were yeah. very much important things that communicated for people back in the day about lessons that they needed to help teach their other kin they were doing. Well, and you know, the weird thing is that was my favorite Disney movie as a child. Mm-hmm. Yep. that I had they, seen my uh, utterly favorite yeah and they're literally removing it from culture mm-hmm. you know there's people that I will tell you they don't even know the song Tiffany Doodah oh yeah I know yeah I grew up on that that, that just shows my age <clears throat> but <laughs> yeah that was one of my favorites as a kid I even had like the little golden book um and my grandma yeah. years ago bought me a giant poster with Prayer Rabbit on it. 
it's a collectible now. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I love I loved it. I loved the music and everything. So yeah, it is sad. I, I, I really did love that Disney movie. And I know people don't agree with it, but the music is phenomenal in it. It is. Absolutely. But the thing is it's also part of learning about how to make changes from history. Yes. You know, I think repeat history until we learn from it. And, you know, that's where I see it as it's important to, you know, have balance and have, you know, to look at it as a reflection. Mm-hmm. If that makes Absolutely. No, I agree with you on that one. I, I think we need to look on our history and realize some of the stuff wasn't so on the up and up. It was very sad and devastating and very wrong. Yes. And there's a lot that we don't hear about that we're, we need to bring to the public and we need to remember and we need to see that it's still going on today. And, you know, um, I wish that we would celebrate more some of the things that, you know, a lot that was brought to us, you know, not just from, I like to cook. So I always go to, you know, some of the most amazing food we've ever had actually came from out of necessity to making food that was terrible taste amazing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because you have to understand soul food came from slavery and it came from because they didn't get the best parts. They didn't get the fine the leftovers and what you really don't want to eat and they made it good and they did it with love and they did it with soul and they did it with enjoyment because yeah. they had to enjoy i mean you can either enjoy life and live it or you don't just die and right. that what they teach us no matter what the situation is you have to see the lining but I found out the other day, I don't remember the name of the gentleman, so shame on me for this, but they were saying that Vicks Vapor Rub was actually developed by an African-American. That's awesome. Yeah. Not surprised. No. But it would make sense. I mean, absolutely. I mean, my, my great-grandmother put it on everything. Trust me. Like, if you were <laughs> get a hold of it, you were running. I'm- <laughs> my mom loved it, too. I'd run. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, like, my kids hate it now, but I'm like, here, put it on. And, it, it, I mean, any, I mean, it works. It's got camphor in it. So if you've got anything negative on you, guess what? It's gone. Yes, absolutely. My mom used to use it on her lips. She'd sleep with it. Oh, she loved Vicks Vapor Rub. Loved it. <laughs> yes. And you that we had that was passed down to us is putting Vicks Vapor Rub on the bottom of your feet okay. and put your socks on. Oh, yeah. Yep. Actually, a form of protection. That's interesting. Wow. So, tell me a little bit where your shop is located. So, we're on the south side of Indianapolis. Indianapolis kind of got its four corners. Believe it or not, it's called the Crossroads of America um, here. Um. (laughs) It makes perfect sense. Right, right. So um, we're on the south side, and it's a little standalone building, um, white with black shutters, and it's it's just it's been it was a blessing. We actually saw it five years before when it was a dog bakery, and I was like, oh my, this would be like the most amazing shop. This needs to be a metaphysical shop. Mm -hmm. It took us five years to get it, but man, when it happened, it was like. Within a week, I had it. Wonderful. And, you know, we're just, we're, what, 15 minutes away from downtown? Yeah. If any of your listeners know where the Hannah House is, which is one of the things that was part of, actually, the Underground Railroad mm-hmm. here in Atlas on the south side, we're not that far. We're literally, like, five minutes away from it. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting, Maya. Good one of the guys I interview quite a bit and talk to is he's a really good guy, Jason Schneider. He does a lot at the Hannah house. Yeah. It's a very special place. I'll say that. It is. Yeah. I can't wait. I haven't got to see it yet, but 
that is on my list this year to go see the Hana House. I haven't seen it. And then when I see the Hana House, I can stop by you guys' amazing store. Yes, absolutely. Which will make me extremely happy because I can actually get my brother some really cool stuff that he would love. (laughs) He'd be in heaven. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. And you also do readings as well. We do. We do. And what what number can they call you guys to get a reading done? Um, The number that they can call is 317-992-7606. Or they can go to our website. We have an actual calendar where they can actually book a time, secure a time slot there too. Okay. And I will have that and all the information on my podcast for you guys so that anyone can get a hold of you and make an appointment for whatever their needs are. And I want to thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. We're honored. And I hope our paths will cross very soon. You guys have been just amazing amount of information and educated me. And I'd love to have you back on for more education at some point. Yeah, that would be wonderful. We'd be honored. Yes. Thank you so much. And you guys have an amazing night with your kids. Thank you. Have a good night, too. You, too. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.